All right, I'm recording. Uh, just chugged the Monster Energy, had some mozzarella sticks, and I'm ready to go. Uh, hello, welcome to another episode of Cosplay Bite, the show about cosplay convention and all the nerdy bits and bites. Um, this is a solo outing because, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, um, I was very fortunate enough to receive a media pass for um, PAX East Online. That happened just last weekend. Um, I know I kicked off covered with my interview with um, Anthony over at Geek Therapeutics to learn more about them. But now the convention actually happened. So um, it's pretty much the same as the uh, last time it went online. Um, I would get sent dozens upon dozens of media um, requests to like be interviewed. And so I would like just looking around to see what games interested me alongside other um, businesses that had interesting products to offer, as well as um, attending a couple of panels um, throughout the event. Um, I took a peek at the schedule when it went live, and it really was only about two panels that I took an interest in, so I did uh, stay up late and watch them um, when they aired. Well, excuse me. So, where do I start? Where do I start? Well, I guess I'll start from the beginning. Um, going in order, starting with the panel, because, so the long story short of it is, I had two panels that I attended, and then I had two uh, developer interviews that I then conducted on Sunday. So we'll start from Friday. Was it Friday? I think for a hot second. Yeah, it was, it was, it was Friday, I think. Um, but this was a panel titled the best bars in gaming and it was held by several panelists um Alyssa Mercanti, uh Liana Rupert and Tomo and Richie from Hyperkinetic Studios. Um I know well I recognize one of the names because I recently discovered slash followed uh Liana over on Twitter but she is a uh editor slash writer for uh Games Informer magazine. So pretty rad. And basically like the title said, um, it was just all about um, going to bars and getting drunk in the gaming world. And they did mention some sort of a correlation between bars and game development, which I do think is present. Like, I do remember uh, reading articles and stories about how game dad would just go to bars after certain nights after work and just, like, hang out or talk shop, talk ideas. After work, um, I want to say Nintendo was probably one of the developers I read about doing this. I'm sure there are probably more. But um, they went to, they just went through a list about what they think made for, like, the best, what makes a good bar for a video game. Um, and so, like, a lot of them got their chance to talk, and they just listed off a variety of features, like... Um, when you go into a bar and then suddenly the music changes to set the mood, um, overhearing side conversation off to the side, um, the return value, like every time you go back there, is there always something new happening at the bar? And um, there was also mentioned uh, recognition, which was something that I found very hilarious and often defined. Um, I believe it was Liana when they were talking about their favorite bar, she mentioned the one that was in 
oh, I forget which Dragon Age, but basically in one of the Dragon Ages, there's a bar where if you attended it often enough, they would then, the second you enter in, they would just shout your name in, like, excitedness because you, you recently become a regular there. And, I mean, I've never played Dragon Age. I know it's a Bioware-based game, but I feel like that that is the only time I've ever heard of a bar in a video game actually um, doing something like that. Um, and then, they, you know, they just listed out a bunch of franchises and some of the bars that were um, involved. So uh, Mass Effect was mentioned with both uh, Chlora's Den and the Afterlife, the very distinct uh, different atmosphere that they've had in the game, as well as um, Cyberpunk was mentioned. Um, one of the developers at Hyperkinetic Studios uh, mentioned uh, Neverwinter Nights. Um, oh, no, I got it written right here. That that bar with the recognition was named Hangman from Dragon Age 2. And then you got apparently bars and Anthem. And then definitely I remember the bars from Elder Scrolls and just stuff like that. Um, they actually... Both Tomo and Richie, with their development studio, um, they actually conduct or not conduct conduct the wrong word. Uh, created a game called Epic Tavern, which was based around that whole bar tavern aspect. And I was, I believe, World of Warcraft did get a mention in there, going to some of their taverns. I was slightly shocked that uh, Seventh Heaven from Final Fantasy VII was not mentioned at all, because that one iconic bar that I definitely recognize just in general through all gaming but um it was a very enjoyable conversation they talked about you know their their go-to <laughs> their go-to drinks when they go to a bar um their all-time favorite bar that they've ever been to as well as uh horror stories of like batman being flooded with piss and all that fun stuff so yeah that was <laughs> that was the best bars in gaming panel um the other panel that I attended, uh, I didn't really take any notes on, um, but it was more so all about Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, titled, it was titled The Good, The Bad, and The Heartless. So it was just these four people. Um, four people I've obviously never heard of them, but they're all very highly avid, passionate Kingdom Hearts fans. Um, I actually, this was on Saturday, the day that I got my newest recent tattoo which is the um the crown symbol from kingdom hearts so i thought that was a very sweet way to end off send off the day but um yeah they mentioned like their all-time favorite moment throughout the entire franchise um what they thought of the game both the ups and down because i know that uh when kingdom hearts 3 came out um once people had enough time to complete the game there was a lot of criticism with how certain characters were handled, um, how the story was towards the back end of the game, and in certain parts throughout the game, in some of the various worlds. Um, and then they also mentioned, like, the whole Remind DLC that was added on, and then just plus their various theories and hopes for where the, the series can go, uh, not only just post-Kingdom Hearts 3, but post- uh, both Melody of Memory and the recent ending of the Kingdom Hearts Union Cross mobile game that happened, I believe, last month, towards the end of June. 
So that was also a really fun panel. I found myself laughing at certain parts of it. Uh, side note, if you catch a siren in the noise, I apologize. That's just a thing about where I live. It's like right near the police station and ambulance station and fire station. Literally all in one. So, on to that, actually, before I get into the um, interviews that I had, um, there were certain people that did reach out to me uh, in regarding their um, product or what they were selling. In addition to um, certain games that I wanted to try, but they didn't really have a, um, a set option to interview the devs. And I, I believe two of them did have demos out, but they were all on PC. And, uh, I mean, I primarily work off a Mac laptop, so whoops. So one game that caught my eye was called um, The Company Man, and it is touted as an indie 2D action adventure game. I watched the trailer. You're basically, you play a guy in a corporation, and let me see. Let me, um, this is from a development startup from Malaysia. Um... It's basically the company man is designed to spoof slash make fun of office culture. But unlike your actual workplace, you can hit your colleague with a keyboard and push them off cliff. Inspired by real life farting coworkers. Oh, that's fun. A wide variety of unique enemies with different environments. From an air conditioned ice from the air conditioned Iceland of accounting to the mountains of paperwork in human resources. I watched the trailer. It was very funny. It gave me very strong Mega Man vibes. Um, so I had a little back and forth um, with the contact over there. And um, it currently is out on Steam, um, only on PC. I believe they did mention that they were hoping to maybe get this on the Switch. Because um, that's something that came up during my developer interview that I had. So I developed. The people that I interviewed, which I'll get to in a little bit, um, were indie studios. And to me, I feel like whenever I see a good indie game that I want to play, I'm like, oh, sweet. Uh, can I get that on the Switch? Because most indie games, they can either pack a lot of value or they're very short and sweet. And it just fits the nature to me to play on the Switch, being a highly portable console, you know, pick up and go. Because, like, I mean, if you get an indie on, like, a console, like an Xbox Series X or uh, PS4, PS5, you got to sit down, sit down, get comfortable. You're going to hope you want to commit a couple of hours to this because then if you don't, if you play, like, 30 minutes to an hour of a game, then you got to get up, turn up the console, and it's just, I don't know, to me that's just, like, a huge waste of time slash inconvenient. Um even with playing on a laptop or a computer, like it's just the time commitment of being stationary. And um, so, yeah, that game, uh, The Company Man, it is out on Steam uh, on the PC, and they are working to get it to um, console by the middle of next year. So they said they would keep me in the loop of, what that, of when that happened and graciously give me an access key. So I'm very excited to play it. And we'll definitely talk about it in an upcoming episode. Um, the other game that I got info about that isn't out yet, um, but they also have a demo that it is PC only, um, and they do want to have a version for the Switch done. 
Um, it is known as Aeon Drive, and this game is touted as a cyber, it's an action platformer um, made to be done with speedrunning-like tactics, because I guess you have a very short time frame to complete the levels. Um, it's also set in a neo-cyberpunky world of Barcelona. Um, it's very pretty to look at. Like, the trailer got me interested. I'm just a sucker for the art style. And, um, yeah, that is currently set towards to release sometime later on this year. And as I mentioned in the email, that a Switch version was definitely planned. So they would definitely keep me in the loop for that. Um, next, I got an offer. Well, not really much an offer, but um, I got contacted by a uh, fashion company clothing store called Volante Design. Volante? I don't know how to pronounce that. It's got to be one of those two. Um, I So I would actually, I'd actually have seen this company before at um, both uh, New York Comic Con and previous packs. Um, I have actually known friends that have done like um, modeling work for them uh, at the con itself. But they are... Um, uh, I don't want to keep using the word touted, but that's, always, that's what I always come back to. Um, they make what they call superhuman streetwear, and they actually, actually have a deal going on right now um, that expired on the 3rd of August. So they said here that um, that you can use the code 21PACKE with your order if it's over 150 because definitely, definitely on the premium side, looking at some of their products um, price-wise. But if you use that uh, code, they will give you a free gift um, valued of at least $20, I believe. Um, and it's stated here that some of these free gifts include, you know, hand-printed Watchdog Legion t-shirts, jackets from their Borderlands collection, hooded scarves, fingerless gloves, and a whole lot more. And they will try their best um, to surprise you with something that they think you would like based on whatever the hell it is that you've ordered from them. And looking at their store website, um, you know, they have their original collections. Um, I believe they said that they had just introduced their augment line, which is very, like, cyberpunk-inspired. So I'm looking at, like, vests here and jackets and... Um, they got the thing called the Stealth Kit, which is like an, a backpack holster kind of thing that um, I'm just reminded of uh, Nathan Drake when he wears, when he goes out um, finding treasure and he has his gun holstered in. Um, and they also have um, a fishery licensed product from various franchises, including Star Trek, Mega Man, Lord of the Rings, God of War, Devil May Cry, Borderlands, Bloodborne, Assassin's Creed, and more. And they got Unifit, face mask, women's, men's clothing, a whole bunch. Um, I actually, I mean, I don't know if it's changed, it'll, if it'll change the next time I see them. But, like, I remember when I saw them at PAX East 2020, um, one of my friends who was working there uh, actually fitted me up with one of their jackets. And at the very least, I uh, wrote down the side that I should probably pick. Uh, whenever it came time, 
that I wanted to purchase something from them. So yeah, that is uh, 21. Oh my gosh. Sorry, I feel a burp coming on. It's because I, I drank that monster too fast. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, code 21 packs E to get that free gift. And I will um, actually add in the order um, link um, down in the show description notes um, that you could find in this episode posting. Okay, so on to what I like to call the meat of, well, the heavy-duty stuff with the um, developer interview that I conducted. So both of these were on Sunday, about an hour apart. Um, Each of them lasted about 20 to 30 minutes. So I've got this first game called Fire Tonight. It is a narrative puzzle experience. Um by Reptoid Games, the developer, and published by Way Down Deep. It is an 80s-inspired, um, again, narrative puzzle experience, um, mainly geared around this couple's journey to reunite in a burning city. Um, the setting takes place in the 90s, but it's very cyberpunky vibe. Um, I loved the cool color, like blue and purple palette that they had going on there. Um, so you got two characters, Maya and I, I think it's Devin. If it's not Devin, I truly apologize, but I believe it's Maya and Devin. So Maya has to venture out into the city to get to her boyfriend's house while Devin is sitting there waiting for her, but then also dealing with various anxiety attacks and just trying to keep his mental health in check because... He worries about stuff, especially how um, Maya feels towards him. Um, but it's 80s-inspired, dark color palette, uh, comic book-like art for the cutscenes. Um, I noted that it was very vibrant. Um, the person that I interviewed with, um, Simon, I believe, um, said that the game entirely was actually uh, inspired by a song also called Fire Tonight, um, by a band group called Information Society. And that song also did come out in the 90s, so fit the setting. Um, He mentioned that the idea came about during a 2018 meetup at uh, GDC, and it just, one of the themes... Um, in this game, he noted is just the feeling of being separated. Um, he mentioned that, you know, like I like I had said, that it had a very cyberpunk-like um, art direction. Um, there are, and he also said that it could be challenging, or that it was challenging. My bad, I'm sorry, because I remember one of the questions that I asked both this for this game and the other game that I will get to in a moment um was what were your favorite and most difficult parts about making the game so he had mentioned that um on the challenge side um it was more so going back and forth between alternate game modes so you got Maya section which is all top down like legend of zelda like maneuvering with some stealth um addition to it i noticed from the trailer um and then you got Devin's section which is a little bit just small adventuring and he mentioned that um there were some uh technical hiccups 
um, throughout the process of creating the game. And so it is actually slated to release on the Nintendo Switch and Steam August 12th. Um, I definitely want to check it out. Like, I'm actually just, I'm like quickly looking through the game, it, the game website. No, I was right. The guy's name is Devin. Um, yeah, the art is very comic book-like. Kind of give me like a Scott Pilgrim kind of vibe. I don't know. But it looks super gorgeous. Uh, I do definitely do plan on checking it out. Actually, we'll probably also add it to my um, stream list for more games to come out. So that's August 12th. I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually going to probably just add it to my wish list um, after this is done recording. Um, so Nintendo Switch and Steam. Um, and then I asked um, Simon what he feels, what he would like to happen with his game um, in order to consider it to be like a success. And he, he honestly, I have it written down here, um, word of mouth. So he basically just wants people to enjoy it and maybe connect with it and find something they like so much that, you know, they want to um, reach out and let their friends know, like, hey, you should definitely try this game. It's very interesting. It's got a very powerful story. So, yeah, I'm very grateful to have interviewed about Fire tonight, and um, I'm very, very much looking forward to playing it. Um, the other game that I got wind of and checked out based on trailers and stuff um, was a game called Reina and Jericho. Um, it is a Metroidvania game from Reclamation Games. Um, I believe if I'm just going to quickly go to my web browser and type it in. What did pop up? Um... This was one of the other games, part of the PAX Indie Showcase. Um, also coming to uh, Steam, Nintendo Switch, Xbox Series X and S, and PS5. Um, they didn't have a set release date. It was actually funny. So, so here's the thing. I mentioned that it's touted as a Metroidvania, where you control um, the main character, Reyna, um, as you go through this corrupt government facility... Um, to reunite with Jericho, her lost love. Um, it is tagged as action exploration as well as story-driven. Um, there wasn't any voice acting plan, but maybe in a future update, I believe that's what it was. What I was told. Um, they mentioned, um, you know, that Reyna will come in possession. Of powerful artifacts throughout the game's story. Um, he actually touted, so at, at some point during the trailer, it sounded like it's like a roguelike kind of game. And he says, sort of, not really. Um, more so with... Um, so there are three uh, main game modes. There's the main story, which is story-driven. There's a speedrun option, as well as a randomizer mode. But he also touted the idea that, um, I guess, somehow Reyna just remembers stuff through either the artifacts or... Because eventually she'll also come in possession of, of the sword as her weapon. But as you replay through this stuff, she remembers um, the conversation being held. 
So, like, as one person is saying this stuff for the first time, she has already heard it. So she's like either bypassing the whole conversation or, like, finishing their sentences. Um, what do we got here? Um, some of the games that inspire Reyna and Jericho um, were Celeste in terms of the platforming element. And then, again, Metroid and Castlevania being a Metroidvania-style game. Um, he mentioned that the general theme is along the lines of suffering, so I'm very interested to see how this story plays out. Um, the aesthetics, yes, we joked about a little bit, how the overall um, color palette, like aesthetic vibe, um, came way later than it should have. Um, so it wasn't figured out at the start, but he actually contacted an artist that he found on social media through the um, whole Inktober event that happens every October with artists. Um, so yeah, he says, um, most consoles and PC will be on the release. Um, I mentioned that um, he hopes to maybe have voice acting for a future update, and that the story makes a lasting impression. And again, with the whole favorites and difficult parts, um, he really enjoyed the um, just game development in general as a whole, as well as creating the dialogue um, between all of the characters. And when I asked him about his favorite artifact slash move that Reyna gets at some point in the game, um, he noticed that um, <coughs> Reyna at some point will get a dash move that really opens the game up and makes it a little bit more fast-paced. Um, he did mention that the whole act of juggling the entire process and multiple outlets and various interviews um, was very difficult for him at certain points. Um, so the game is scheduled to be sometime in 2021. Like, they actually, we, we, we kind of laughed about it, how he was picking on a release date sometime, I believe, October. And that was somewhat set in stone until Nintendo went ahead with their E3 press conference and announced the new Metroid game. And he just looked at his team and was like, okay, yeah, that's suicide. Let's not put it in October anymore. Let's get it far away from any big, big, long-lasting franchise releases. That way we can kind of have our own time in the sun, so to speak. So that was a very funny moment. Um, let me see. Yeah, um, solo episode, that's pretty much my PAX East online coverage. I mean, it wasn't really a lot. I apologize if it wasn't a lot. Um, I do plan on checking out all of the games that I expressed an interest in at some point. Because, um, unfortunately, like some of them did have demos, but they're not available on Nintendo Switch. And then... Yeah, I mean, like, they had the Discord panel up and running. Um, I don't know. I just can't really get into Discord. I, I try to, but it's, it's very difficult for me to do that. Um, trying to think. Um, oh, yeah. So, I kind of um, forgot to mention this with the past two episodes. But uh, if you have noticed, on my show page, or even on the thumbnails... 
Uh, I gave Cosplay Byte a sort of a soft rebrand of updating the logo, keeping the somewhat um, color styling, but matching up the font with my whole uh, Blue Lightning Cosplay uh, content creator font that I have going on, um, if you've ever been to my streams. Like that main font, as well as it's also touted on my media kit. Um, but yeah, I rebranded it. It seemed to have gone well amongst my friends, and I really love it. So it can be a little bit tricky to make out the numbers sometimes when it, on the thumbnails due to how I have them made. But I dig it. I like using all the multiple shades of blue to keep it in line because. Um, I believe I had mentioned previously that I did sort of stop blogging. So I took out like oh Lightning Palace like shorthand logo out of the uh, show's um, main logo. So now it's just its own thing, sort of connected to more so me as a content creator. So there's that. And um, honestly, there's really nothing else. Um, if I admit something, I apologize. But I will be sure to actually um, list all the games that I had mentioned through their Steam pages, um, Volante Designs um, sales that they have going on until August 3rd. And you can actually stay tuned for more episodes coming as soon as next couple of weeks because I know, like as I'm recording, this is on a Monday... Um, this coming Thursday, or at some point later on in the week, I will be having the incredibly adorable um, Alice Pika on my show. And then also, some point later on, maybe either in July or sometime in August, um, Vanity Fox and I will finally be doing a podcast episode together after trying to schedule one up because she's been going through a lot of stuff lately. But uh, yeah, those are episodes that are coming. Please stay tuned. Thank you all from the bottom of my heart for being a listener and like sharing the episode and giving me feedback if you ever have any. And uh, yeah, I just really appreciate it. So thank you all so much for listening. I am hopefully excited to go back to Pat East uh, next year, as well as I'm also looking into either Katsukon or MAGFest, one of the two. I'm mainly considering Katsukon because there are certain people that I miss dearly that I really, 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 really want to see. But uh, yeah, that's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for watching, listening, I don't know. And uh, I will see you all next time.